welcome to season two, episode 18 of Comic Book Nation, the official podcast of comicbook.com. I'm your host, Kofi Outlaw. For another quarantine edition of the show, with me today are my co-hosts. We got Matthew Aguilar here. What up, peoples? We got Mr. Brandon Davis in here. Hello. Hello. And we got our nighttime editor, Star Wars guru, Mr. J.K. Schmidt is back with us also. Great to be back as always. And today we've put together this lovely little sausage party for everybody because we have some (laughs) things to talk about that these guys are all the experts in and we're going to uh, need their help with that. We're going to be talking about a big major casting that just went down in the Star Wars universe or is in the process of going down or something like that. We're also going to talk about another unfortunate delay that is crushing us and the entire DC fandom right now. And we're going to look back at something that may or may not be a grenade. We're going to have a little conversation because a special little movie is having an anniversary this week. And we're going to talk about the Star Trek Picard finale, or rather I am, because I know all the excellent programming on CBS, all access is worth viewing <laughs> to the rest of you. And we're going to get to a couple things that we've been watching uh, and talk about something uh, Mr. Brandon Davis has been kind of making into a big thing and having a good time doing it. So we're going to get to all of that in this episode. So uh, stick with us. All right. So let's start at the top. JK. JK's here because we're talking Star Wars today. Um, You know, like everything else in Hollywood, obviously, we're all stuck in our homes and waiting for what the next phase of the entertainment industry is going to be you know, what the new world of the entertainment industry is going to be. We're all talking about how, you know, we're all set for, you know, another 104 seasons of The Circle on Netflix and looking forward to that as the only reality show still uh, clinically viable after after COVID-19. But uh, in all seriousness, you know, things, while we, um, productions might be shut down, plans are still rolling on. So in Star Wars, we kind of got a big scoop from our, pe- our friend uh, Peter Scaretta over at Slash Film, who I tried to get for this episode, but he's a busy man, so he couldn't be here. I'm a poor replacement. I'm sorry. Nah, man, you're good. You're a great Star Wars expert. But uh, yeah, we tried to get him on, but he kind of dropped the scoop to help us all out in a very down week that Rosario Dawson is coming to the Mandalorian Season 2 to play Ahsoka Tano. And yeah, female character of the Star Wars franchise since Princess Leia. Um, and if you just need a quick background, Ahsoka Tano, uh, uh, Ahsoka Tano, woof, that gets to be a tongue twister, is basically she was Anakin Skywalker's Padawan um, through complications of things that happened. She left the Jedi Order, but she kind of still, you know, served the light side of the force and helped the rebellion during the dark days of that after she got out of Order 66. And her story has been kind of because she started out on the animated side, um, even though she's an original creation of George Lucas, she's kind of had this weird, almost like Broly in Dragon Ball Z, like she's so popular, but she's never like, so a lot of people try to throw shade, like she's not official uh, because she's only been in the animated shows, you know, whatever, what have you. But she's obviously endured, had this growing fan base. And for a long time, a lot of people have wanted to actually see somebody like Rosario Dawson was like one of the top fan castings for an older kind of live action Ahsoka Tano. And now we got that. So bright stuff happening in 2020. It's there. You just got to know where to look for it. So at least for me, I'm happy about this. Uh, let's throw it over to JK. What do, you, what do you think as a Star Wars expert? I honestly love the casting. I think it fits so perfectly with uh, what's going on in The Mandalorian and kind of how Dave Filoni has already set up 
Ahsoka's future if after the events of Star Wars Rebels. Um, I know there are people who are bummed that Ashley Eckstein isn't playing the character. Who's, uh, the, because who's, Ashley, the vo- who's been the voice of Ahsoka since the beginning in the anime? Yeah, yeah, since the original Clone Wars series. Yeah, and she has acting skills. She's been in live action stuff before, but I don't think it's an insult to her that they went and found Rosario Dawson, who is supremely talented in pretty much everything that she's been in. And she has a kick-ass show on USA right now called Briar Patch, where she's just showing off her acting chops. Uh, it's by the Mr. Robot creator. So I know Kofi, we are the fellow Mr. Robot fans. So you should definitely check that out while we are in this extended period of yeah. isolation. Oh, I didn't even think of that. Like, yeah, if you're on lockdown, you really, I mean, it might make you a little scared, but by the end, I think you'll feel okay. Go through Mr. Robot. Um, it's an appropriate <laughs> show for these times. Yeah. So check that out too, Sam Mail. Yeah. But um, yeah, I'm with you. Like, I know we always do this when there's a famous animated character. Same thing with Harley Quinn, right? Like, uh, I forget the act, Tara, what's her name? Tara Strong. Tara Strong was like yeah. one of the most prominent ones, but there's another, I, I forget but who the original voice from the yeah. Batman, the animated series is, but yeah, yeah exactly. those two. Yeah, but you, you always hear these names because they are so popular and synonymous with the characters animated, you know, form that we should have it. But like, none of us are sweating Margot Robbie playing Harley Quinn. That's like the one <laughs> thing in the DC movie franchise we're all like not sweating, right? So it's not like a loss when you do these castings, so... Yeah, like you said, Rosario Tawson's like supremely talented. She's funny. She can do dramatic stuff. She can do physical stuff. I mean, Sin City, she killed it as a, what's her name? Gail or whatever her name was. Um, She's the one good part of Men in Black 2. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's what she is. Space yeah. princess. Yeah. So She's, yeah, she's the one good part about the movie. Yeah, she's been on one good part of a lot of, of, a lot of movies. See Alexander, or rather never see Alexander. But anyway. So kids? like yeah, anyone kids? see kids? Oh, just kidding. Don't, oh, don't see kids. On. Yeah, don't don't drag this down into kids. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah, I'm not. I am not at all mad at having her join the Star Wars universe, and I'm and I'm so happy to see the character actually in the Mandalorian. Like you said, kind of figuring out how this kind of connects to Ahsoka's story later, and she is this character that like now has this weird kind of patchwork canon across the different eras of the Star Wars prequel trilogy. Um, uh, the original trilogy and now maybe I guess in the interim after the original trilogy and the sequel trilogy too. So every time there's a thing in between movies, that's Ahsoka's time to shine. So, you know, there you go. But um, yeah, I'm going to be really interested to see that. So anybody else, Brandon Davis, uh, our second most Star Wars experts. How do you feel about this? <laughs> I am definitely far lower on the totem pole than second. A distant most. second. Will you be getting back your Disney plus subscription for uh, Miss Rosario Dawson? They already locked me in for three years with the D23 cheat code. So um, it's, just, it's just like my PS4. It's just collecting dust. Oh, wow. Come on. Just keep it clean. Keep it clean. We're just getting started on this podcast. Don't derail us already. But uh, yeah, no, man. I mean, yeah, hit us up if you want a comic book nation. But like, yeah, this is a pretty safe one. Like this is a casting. Like I said, thanks to Peter for dropping that because it did brighten a lot of days to hear that. So now I'm even more looking forward. You got... I mean, The Mandalorian season two, you got Pedro Pascal, Gina Carano, you got your baby Yoda back, now Rosario Dawson as Ahsoka Tano, and Darksabers. It's going to be a good time to have D- Disney Plus, and maybe by that time we'll all be like just getting back to like semi normal, but we're going to still Hopefully keep it it's going. not all delayed. Yeah. Seriously. Hopefully it actually comes out on schedule. Yeah. I mean, hopefully we can get back to at least making TV shows in time through summer. 
We're well, that's the one. Crossed. That's the one show that has the production schedule. I mean, like the the uh, the visual effects kind of baked into a lot of the production schedule because they have that crazy technology where they film in front of that screen yeah. and they kind of uh, finish all the effects or a previs of the effects as they're filming. I mean, so who knows how Disney and Lucasfilm are deciding to go about it. I mean, I, I don't we'll know if their offices of, are shut down. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot of the return of the DVD style. Like we're going to see a lot of seasons two a and two B like in, you know, that old walking uh, dead format. So basically whatever we had in the can, here it is on schedule. <laughs> and then we'll be back with like the rest. Um, but uh, yeah. Yeah. So we're looking forward to that. Let's move on. Hopping over the DZ side. So we just gave you, we brought, we built you up. Now let's bring you back down because, uh, Coronavirus got another one. We got another movie delay. I mean, this was Cardi B. What's that? Was that your Cardi B? Yes, it was. Yes, it was. <laughs> very, very well done. Yes. Um, hey, I got the news from Cardi B like before <sighs> I got the news from the official government. So, like, uh, I mean, that's the one I stick to now. Cardi B updates are what I'm looking for to get through this. <laughs> Cardi B 2020. Oh, man. <laughs> Let's get back to reality. Um, yeah, so the Batman. The Batman's done production. It's inevitable. I mean, this thing is just coming through like Thanos. I think Brandon Davis, you've even made some tweet memes to that effect. But uh, yeah, so it's just this one. I mean, while it's we knew this was coming, obviously, if anybody's been checking a production schedule in the last six months, we knew this was happening. But it just, I felt like discussing it, not so much to discuss it, but just to vent that here we are once again, just when we thought we were getting the Batman. <laughs> Finally, we were getting the Batman. The Batman's going like now just on pause again, and we're just still back to waiting and rumors about the Batman. So, is this thing ever getting made, Brandon Davis? You're the Warner Brothers expert. Tell us what's new. What a shame it is. I mean, yeah, the movie's coming. Is it going to arrive in July? It's scheduled for July of next year, right? Or June of 2021? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. So, I, I honestly would Batman, be surprised. Time. Like, <laughs> I'd be really surprised if that release date doesn't get moved back. And th- I mean, like, and that's, there's more than one reason. Like the, the production's probably going to be shut down for no less than six weeks. Right. Like, I mean, just to err on the side of caution, I feel like a lot of things are going to be shut. And I'm just speculating. I don't know. I'm not a, I'm not an official on this, but just from the news that I read and consume, like everyone else is, it looks like mid May is when we might be getting back to like normal and even then it might be a slow start so if that happens that's six weeks off the walking dead just had to delay their finale which was shot and completed last year that was done filming in november and they can't even air it because they can't get together to finish the editing process and that's supposed to air in two weeks so i would not be surprised if this gets moved and the other reason why i think it might get moved is because so many movies from this year are going to need new dates you already have A Quiet Place, The New Mutants, Black Widow, Antlers, uh, and there's other ones that I'm I, off the top of my head can't remember that need new release dates. And 2021 is already so crowded with big tentpole franchise movies that you don't want these. These studios aren't going to want them to just cannibalize each other. So I could see the Batman being one that might end up sliding back a bit unless, a, unless maybe it is able to jump back into production really soon, hopefully. But we'll see. Yeah, I mean, bro, I think, I mean, honestly, we're all in kind of a wait and see holding pattern with all of this. Like, we want to say we're going to be back in like six, eight weeks. We don't know. But uh, yeah, we're just going to have to keep an eye on it. But it is a disappointment because like, like I said, it's like defeat snatched from the jaws of victory. The Batman was finally a real thing. We saw costumes. We saw costumes. It was here. 
It was right on the tips of our fingers. And now when am I going to see Coyote Woman, Riddler, Penguin, anything else? I don't know. So, well, Batman, we're still pulling for you out here. We out here. We're in lockdown, but we're still pulling for you. All right. Anybody else got anything to say? If you guys had anything to vent about your Batman, you know, kind of frustration, Matt. I mean, no, I mean, I, I was kind of like you, I expected it to be pushed. Uh, it was a matter of when, not if. So, I mean, I, I agree with Brandon though. I don't see stuff returning to semi-normal until mid-May at the least. So yeah, I mean, I do feel like, I feel like this could very well be pushed into either late 2020 if they can, or sorry, late 2021, if they can get things back on track or further. So. Well, there, there, there is one scenario where this could move to Black Adam's release date and then Black Adam gets pushed back because The Rock just had to delay Red Notice and he's supposed to go from Red Notice to Black Adam. And so Warner Brothers has those flags planted. It's just such a shame because the DC Universe finally was like really under control and had an awesome clear vision. And now this is going to just throw another wrench in the whole plan. Yep. Well, there we are. And that's a good segue because uh, as we talk about when we or if we're getting when if when we're getting this next Batman film, this week marks the fourth anniversary of one of the greatest superhero films ever released, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> and I thought I'd just take a minute to commemorate that. Yikes. Commemorate oh. that about how good that film is. I mean, honestly, I know I'm throwing a grenade in the room. And just I wish everyone could see off. Kofi's notes, by the way. <laughs> Kofi's show notes for this were freaking amazing. <laughs> no, we don't talk about the show notes. The show notes are just for those on the show. But uh, yeah, I just thought I'd commemorate like one of the greatest superhero movies of all time. Not really. It's a more like a, a living what? superhero novel. Like, yeah, Batman v Superman. Ultimate Edition, of course. I don't speak of that theatrical mess that Warner Brothers did, but uh, Ultimate Edition. I don't think I... I mean, it just gets better with time, you know? More and more I see it, the better it is. Like, and I just wish... How do you have, like, four hours to spend on that Ultimate Cut? Like, ah, man. How many times have you watched The Irishman? How many times? Just once. I mean, I like real cinema. That's why I watch Batman vs. Superman. (laughs) But the ultimate cut is just filled with like so many more little details. I hope she hears this, bro. Uh, Yeah, no, man. I mean, that's true. I mean, the details. Well, okay. In all seriousness, why I do, and I've written this, I think I've broken this down for comicbook.com several times. I've stood on this point. I died on this hill, but I'll die on it again. Like the ultimate cut is just. When you watch the ultimate cut, it's really good because basically what it does in being packed up in the theatrical cut is it does a lot better job of showing how Chris Terrio and, and Zack Snyder use Batman and Superman for these archetypes of kind of societal things that were happening at the time and kind of like warring political ideologies and all that um, who end up all becoming, you know, manipulated by a billionaire con man into kind of setting people against each other. Wow. Yeah, that's not a... Not an insightful movie for 2016 at all, but, uh, you know, I got it. People just wanted to see superheroes fight. It wasn't quite like that. Um, it did a more complicated thing, but uh, I appreciate it because, uh, I mean, I'm joking, but it does get better with time the more I watch it. And their entire, like, podcast and stuff dedicated to this that you guys can go to without just kind of unpacking the level of detail and kind of even, you know, Zack Snyder gets a bad rap for being like a, person who's like a hack who doesn't understand dc but batman vs superman is is loaded with so much dc lore and all that stuff easter eggs all these kind of references and and inferences from other stories around the universe so i mean i just enjoy it for what it is and 
yeah, it's a dense watch, like for sure. But I think it's a very good movie. Totally does not stick the landing with the Martha moment. I, I mean, I'll never stand up here and die on that particular hill. <laughs> I think it's silly as hell. Oh, thank the Lord for it. Like, yeah, I mean. <laughs> but it, it is a shame because it, it's building a great thematic point that these people who have all these ideological differences kind of make this basic connection that they're both like, you know, well, their moms or moms are named Martha. There's this very human thing between them, but it, it just, they screw that one up real bad. And it kind of just, it's hard to kind of land the movie when you mess up that key moment. So I will give you, uh, I'll give the haters and trolls that one. That's a, that's a bad one. But I don't uh, think hater. Okay. But the the hate I always saw for that movie. Awesome movie. We've seen people do so many attempts at superhero movies since then. And visually that one just like kills them. Like, but I've never seen, okay. So the hate for Snyder is I've never taken the hate for Snyder as he doesn't know his lore. Cause that was always felt like that's what they applauded was all the, layered stuff and like you can comb that movie 90 times and still find something new like he always like no one i don't feel like anyone gave him grief for not being a true fan of the material well, and know, wanting like, to. like yeah super but it was just because batman's car had guns and suddenly yeah but that stuff's super like whatever but yeah that stuff's superficial but like my i mean my problem was always that he tried he was over ambitious to a to a fault in that movie like there's so many moving parts that don't make sense even with the ultimate edition they're still like i'm like there's like four movies here just simplify it and make a great movie that gets its point across because there's so many great parts i still stand by batfleck still my favorite batman i still love that line i still love that whole exchange with him and alfred like there's so many great moments the moment where he's at the grave and like he has these crazy perfect batman lines like Snyder did that really well and the Superman stuff by himself or with Amy Adams was really good. It's just like it was all over the place. And I still love the Wonder Woman introduction. I thought that was really well done. But it's like Death of Superman, Doomsday, Lex Luthor, uh, Wonder Woman introduction, and then The Dark Knight Returns all in one freaking movie. Like, slow down. Like, slow down. They do. Whoa, it's not even just that. Vision. It's not even just yeah. that. Nightmare <laughs> There's the Nightmare entire Justice and... League set up. Yeah. This movie does a lot There's of work. The whole s- there's the whole subplot with the with the dictator in Africa and the bullet that Lois Lane is investigating. Yeah. There's the whole plot with that lady being bribed or coerced by Lex Luthor into testifying at Congress. Yeah. There's the whole thing with Holly Hunt. <laughs> like, yeah, but there's so many different things. Those are great, but those are the great threads that kind of come together. Like that's why in the Ultimate Edition, it's so you can't have that many threads in one movie. Like, like this, <laughs> yeah, if you can. You can have a complex movie like that if you, you can, can actually have a complex movie, but you had like it didn't. The payoff on all of them was not nearly equal to what they should have been, and like you're introducing so many things in one film. Like we're tr- like I understand that the overall arch could have been super rewarding if Zack Snyder got to do his thing throughout from Man of Steel through Batman vs Superman and Justice League. He clearly had it all mapped out. He needed more movies to do it, more years to do it. And it just, it was too much in way too little space and time. I, I'm going to respectfully disagree to everybody. I'm going to say, I think examining, I think taking time in a real movie universe to start to examine, you know, Superman who came out in this basically 9-11-ish debut in the world and examining, you know, what this figure who's trying to do good but can be used and spun as a political tool is an interesting take on Superman to me. Batman's kind of response to that and how his kind of hardline vigilante policing is 
kind of viewed in, as against social liberties in like a 2016 when all that conversation was happening. All that stuff was interesting to me. Seeing those two kind of come together over those ideologies so they're not just two guys in capes with parental issues slugging each other because they actually have like real belief systems and, and kind of connected to real world stuff and kind of colliding. Like that, all that was interesting to me. And it's interesting to see it come together as this kind of almost like little intricate chess game that is being, and my favorite part about it is all those moving parts do come together when you factor in Lex Luthor and all the manipulations and everything he's steering. And it kind of makes him look like an actual gene, super genius who's manipulating world events to kind of create this big, massive, you know, basically the Zemo plot in Civil War on a grander, more intricate scale. So yeah. I liked all that because I love these. I mean, these are the things I would think these characters would do against a real world setting. This is like what it would look like if Lex Luthor began to manipulate business, political stuff, you know, things in the prison system with the bat branded guy that he pays to have killed in prison to make it look like it's Batman's fault for marking people like all that stuff. And, and again, it, it's, it even is scary how it's perfectly synced up to where the real world went like immediately thereafter after this movie came out. And so, I mean, I just think it's a, I mean, I like it for the intricacy, but I also like watching like Tinker Taylor soldier spy and those things that most people say are boring ass, like spy espionage movie. So I get why I would like that and other people would not. I can't remember. Do you like Eisenberg's Lex? Like just as a character, like the way he played the character, not the other stuff. I think it was a little over the top, but I, I kind of like it when he's, when the kind of facade drops at the end and he has the scene with Batman, like the full scene with Batman in the prison. And that's like the real Lex Luthor. Like I didn't like all the kind of silly stuff he was doing to pretend throughout like I like it on the, I love the scene on the tower between him and Henry Cavill. That's a great scene. When he's like shows how like just really like kind of sick and twisted he is about things and like yeah. So I like that. And him having the upper hand and I like the scrawny nerdy guy. I like the concept of the, of him and Superman being different physically like the scrawny kind of genius nerdy guy totally being able to just kind of punk the big godly strong man and yeah, kind of the thrill of that. And so, like, I, I liked all the subtlety of that. But I get it. I get it. I'm not changing any minds here. Let's not waste any more time. <laughs> all I'm doing is painting myself in a corner and getting set myself up for tweets. If there's any fairness in the world, Brandon Davis, are we going to have a six-hour quarantine watch party for the ultimate cut of Batman v Superman? <laughs> I, have it, I have put it uh, up to vote, and it has not won. I, my God, in this country... all right here we go when we come back we are going to deep dive into the uh, star trek picard season one finale we're going to talk about some things that uh we've been watching or re-watching and matt had something he told me is a thing that he wants to review for you so we're going to do that Okay, so we're back, and we're going to talk about real quick the Star Trek uh, Picard review uh, season finale. I'm sorry, Rich was giving me notes about where we are in time. We're actually making good time. Wow, look at that for once. Uh, So we're going to talk about the Star Trek Picard season one finale review, which is up on uh, CBS All Access, and and you can get free access to Star Trek Picard right now. So. If you've been talking about, ah, I'm not getting that excellent CBS All Access, you know, because of monies, 
now you don't even need the monies. You can just go in and check out the card. And I highly recommend it. Um, it is a little bit of a slower start. Uh, it is kind of various plot lines that you have to kind of watch in the first third of the show. But when they converge, it becomes something very interesting. And uh, the finale, the two-part finale, was very good, very entertaining. I'm not going to drop a whole lot of spoilers because I know it's a very limited audience right now. So I want more people to go out and check it out. But uh, the show does some big things for the Star Trek universe and makes some kind of big leaps forward and uh, brings back some kind of fan favorite characters and does some really interesting new things with them um, in a little bit of a Last Jedi kind of way, but it's still very much, I would argue, a Star Trek kind of way. So I would say that um, after this and, and the production values were great. Like, I think the way the show was made, the way it was filmed, all the directors uh, were good. And they introduced some pretty exciting new villains for the Star Trek universe, including like a whole secret sect of Romulan police that are like super spies, uh, a, a new synthetic threat that could be connecting to several shows. And uh, yeah, some other things and even some developments with the Borg. So I was really pleasantly surprised by how much I like tuning in to see Picard each week and uh, Patrick Stewart. I love Patrick Stewart because they do funny things and there is an argument to be made about the show being called Picard because a lot of it is just him like playing almost like a Jiminy Cricket character trying to tell people to stop from like being going so nuts in, in like darkening times and people are like, whatever old man, whatever boot. There's a lot of okay boomers in this first season, but um, by the end of this, he, he like, you know, he shows why he's still Jean-Luc Picard and Patrick Stewart's still the man. So, uh, yeah. And like I said, some big developments. Uh, it makes me look forward to Star Trek Discovery Season 3 coming up and any possible big ties between these shows, which we'll have some theories about on comicbook.com. Star Trek, between uh, me and Jamie, love it. So that's my whole spiel about Picard. Now I'm just going to go and hop in. Uh, Charlie Ridgely, I wish we had gone over this when he was here last show, but... Unfortunately, we didn't, so I'm just going to rep for him because he kind of put this on my radar and he was correct for me to be watching the platform on Netflix, a Spanish movie, horror movie that is truly horrifying and timely. Um, the basic premise, I will just tell you, is people kind of volunteer for this experiment, which turns out to be like a very prison-like thing where people are stacked on these big square floors with one square hole in the middle. And this platform comes down every day. And on the platform, it starts out with this very intricate banquet of food. Um, and it goes down floor by floor. And everybody gets to eat for like a certain amount of time. And then the platform drops. And when it drops, if you keep any, you have to keep all the rest of the food on the table that you didn't finish. Because if you keep any, they either freeze you to death or, or heat you to death. And then there's two people on each floor. And... Nobody knows how many floors there are or how deep it goes, but you just know that every month they, you, you wake, they gas you and you wake up on a new floor with your cellmate. Um, and so you can start out on like floor six. And so you are the sixth place when the table comes down, or you can be like on floor 172. And based on what floor you are, your choices about how you can go about this month are, are very different. Because if you're like on floor five, six, seven, it's just you're pretty chill you just chill out you you get a good meal every day you drink some booze you have a good time but if you're down on like floor 200 by the time the platform gets down to you there is no food left on the table there's nothing and so your choices between you and your cellmate become very drastic at that point and so it's about this guy who's an idealist who kind of comes into this and wakes up 
and uh, you have a set amount of time you're going to be there, and then you get this kind of good prize. And it's about what his time is in in this prison kind of thing. And obviously, it's a social metaphor, um, but it is gnarly and pretty intense and pretty frightening. So uh, Netflix has done it again. I think as of doing this, it was like number three or four in the top trending. So definitely check that out. The platform is one of the craziest, like, mind screw scare you and especially right now in these days and times uh movies to come out and uh wonderfully acted and just yeah crazy pretty gnarly wow that yep. is i don't i'm my curiosity is definitely peaked though i will say but i don't know if i want to watch that. <laughs> i'll watch that I, I, my exact tweet was if, to review this was it is that the platform is, is exactly the horror movie we re, we need right now but it's also the one that after you watch it, you'll be like, I really didn't need that. <laughs> but that's exactly the experience of it. I was like, I could not sleep last night. I, didn't. Going to sleep, I was like, man, uh, I really didn't need that. Like, come on, man. Like, yeah, it, they are not afraid to get really gnarly in this and it gets really gnarly. So yeah. Congratulations to Netflix on another Jeez. banger. Keeping us entertained. Don't everybody crash it at once. All right. So, Hopping over, we wanted to bring Mr. Brandon Davis on today just to spotlight him because uh, he got something started when this calamity happened. Who knew you were good in the calamity? All that Walking Dead paying off. Like, yeah, calamities are happening. We're all getting locked in, and uh, Brandon Davis is coming up with ideas. So Brandon Davis did uh, has started Quarantine Watch Party, um, a nice little thing we can rewatch every day, uh, new movies, and basically, you know, with other fans and connect over social media while we're all kind of distanced right now and kind of sharing the love of these movies in a kind of real-time way. And it got big enough, quick enough, that uh, he managed to snag some pretty big guests that we're excited about. By the time you hear this, we'll have just done uh, Doctor Strange, Marvel's Doctor Strange with uh, director Scott Derrickson. Uh, that's going down tonight. And uh, we did uh, one you know, last night with uh, Kathy Ann and uh, Journey Smollett-Colet for uh, Birds of Prey. Rewatch, which I thought uh, would be an interesting one after the big heated debate that just happened last year when Charlie was here. And uh, I misspoke about Birds of Prey, apparently, in Charlie's presence, which was a very big no-no because <laughs> he turned up pretty quick on me. We even he cut earned the nickname. The yeah, nick- turn up, Charlie. Oh, yeah, we cut a promo of it. So there's an actual promo of that, of him just, like, screaming at me uh, for saying Birds of Prey bombed. But, um, yeah, so, Brandon Davis, I thought we'd just talk really quick how was it rewatching birds of prey and just kind of getting your thoughts about that and uh, the experience of a quarantine watch party in general? Really fun. Um, it's been really cool to get people involved and like give people something to look forward to. Cause we're all home all day. And like, I have found myself really looking forward to these because it's just something like at the end of the day to do with everybody. Um, so Kathy Ann really dropped a lot of fun behind the scenes info from uh, birds of prey. Uh, Jenna Anderson wrote a story on comicbook.com with the 10 best facts. My favorite one was the fact that Roman Sionis, Ewan McGregor's character, is wearing pajamas with his own face on it. Uh, I didn't catch that detail, but it makes perfect sense for that character. Um, and we did Bloodshot with director Dave Wilson and Sam Hewen. They were sharing photos and videos from the set. It was really cool. Scott Derrickson, by the time you hear this, I'm sure we had a great time doing that. And oh, and by the time you're hearing this, this will already have been announced. So be sure to tune in on Friday nights quarantine watch party because we have rob liefeld watching deadpool with us and that we have video clips for because we rob and i connected and watched the entire movie together um and doing that with rob made my job as easy as it'll ever be because he 
never runs out of things to say. So it was, it, it's, we have, but we, he reveals a lot about the production, about the studio, about what went into the movie. So that was really cool too. Um, but I, yeah, I mean, if you're listening, thank you for participating in that because it's been really cool to be able to bring people together, to be able to interact with these people who make these movies uh, and just have something to look forward to each day because people should stay home. We should all be staying home. Um, and I feel like Comic Book is doing our part now in encouraging people to do that, but also not feeling so isolated and being able to connect with people, let alone people who we you know idolize, who make these movies that we talk about all day. All right. I mean, what's it been, has anything like changed for you? Like since you've been rewatching this, like with a crowd, you know, cause I mean, it's like that comic con effect, right? Sometimes you're rewatching you're like riding the hype of a lot of people. Yeah. It's much easier to like the movies more. Like when you watch it with the crowd or with the people who made it. Um, I liked birds of prey and Thor Ragnarok both more than I did the first time I watched them. Um, uh, I, I was, I, I liked Thor Ragnarok. Ragnarok but, was a lot of fun with actually like a crowd of people. I was yeah, like, I liked Thor Ragnarok, but I always felt like I liked it less than other people did. Cause I know that's like so many people's favorite MCU movie and it's not my favorite. I mean, it's in my top 10, I'd say maybe top 15, but then after rewatching it with people, I was like, Oh, this is amazing. Like, it's so much fun. Like, and you hear people's opinions and like, it's easy to let those influence yours and share the same opinion, I guess. Uh, but it was a lot of Thor Ragnarok, I think was the most fun. And we did that just on our own, but Taika Waititi did, I did talk to him and he said he's down to do uh, a watch party. He's just got some things he has to get done first. So we have some really cool things I'm trying to work on for next week as well. Uh, we don't have anything scheduled yet, but uh, I'm looking at Wonder Woman, Ant-Man, and hopefully another Thor or Jojo Rabbit or where the hunt for the wilder people. If whatever Taika wants to do. What about Venom? See, Venom. Venom. I would love to that watch would be Venom. Great. Uh, the thing is, your favorite MCU movie, Brandon, is. <laughs> is do you think Ruben Fleischer is going to do a Venom watch party? Do you think Tom Hardy is going to participate in a quarantine watch Here's party? Here's the thing: if they did, it would be phenomenal. Listen, if they did, Michael, and this is going to make Hardy Kofi would, so happy. I, I honestly think Tom Hardy might let Venom participate. <laughs> Here's my thing. I I feel like it would be the coolest thing to get Zack Snyder to do like Batman vs Superman, and I'd really love to do Justice League. So I'll, so that throughout the movie, while we're all watching it together, he can say like, "I did this differently. I did this differently," and we could really get a very clear picture throughout the movie. I think would, that would be um, awesome. Like the mantle for the Snyder cut like side of things like they would just point to that like all day like look oh, here that, it is exactly write a book about these tweets i got <laughs> like, i want to get the russo brothers to do endgame with us or like robert downey jr to do iron man but i feel like Zack snyder is like the ultimate goal here because we would learn so much from him and it like everybody would watch together just to learn just to experience that and learn oh, yeah, that. that one would be huge people would be in that with him and like it would be good because uh, at first i was thinking like you're crazy to get him if you think you're gonna get him to watch a theatrical cut but then i was like actually he would maybe be good to point out like yo this is not me <laughs> like not right me. but me, i don't know me, he not would, me not he me, would me, then, me not me he might want to do it on vero or that that app but i don't know how vero works and the whole purpose of keeping it on twitter is to like be able to I'm reach sure only people. he and James Mangold know how Vera works. If we, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I didn't think today was going to come with some Vero shade, but here we are. <laughs> yeah, here we are. But uh, yeah, no, man, it's been great. Like, yeah, I was mad that I came in late on the Thor Ragnarok one because I saw, like, I have it set as a, a 
trend, like a hashtag on my Twitter feed and I was just doing stuff around the house because I'm locked in here with two kids under five and that gets hairy all the time. So uh, I was like following along, but people had a lot of fun with uh, Thor Ragnarok and they were making me laugh a lot because people have some, have some really funny tweets that come out. Uh, my boy Carl Lee came up with one. Like there were just some people who were dropping some good uh, zingers during these movies and not in a disrespectful way. I'm a bit surprised how kind of, you know, there are always the internet's going to internet, but for the most part, it's been pretty positive. Like, it's actually people who want to have a good time and like watch these movies and stuff. Yeah, it's been super fun. We did have one person turn us down and go somewhere else, and then our watch party ended up being a whole lot bigger. So that felt good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the tea. Yeah. <laughs> all over the table. Spice. Spice. Circles. Yeah, I send participated Brandon, in the. Send uh, Brandon message. Hashtag spill that tea. <laughs> <laughs> send message. Okay. I participated I in the Birds of Prey one, around, and it was around, uh, talking like you're in a circle. I'm sorry, J.K. No, you're talking something serious. Go ahead. Oh no! Now my dog's barking. Um, I participated in the Birds of Prey one, and I told Brandon beforehand because I watched it a co- when it came out, and I was telling him like, "Man, I really wasn't feeling this movie, but participating in that avenue, I really, really enjoyed it the second time around." Uh, I found a bunch of cool new things that I kind of missed just because I wasn't paying as much attention as I should. And then hearing, uh, seeing what Kathy Ann was contributing to the conversation was just, it was, it was a ton of fun. Like that was probably the most fun I've had watching a movie at home while tweeting at the same time, uh, in a long time, just because of that interactivity and, you know, having your friends follow along and tweet at you at the same time. It, they, that made me, it gave me a new appreciation for that movie that I didn't have before. So I'm glad I, I participated. So over under Rob Liefeld has the same effect with Deadpool. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> That'll be fun. That'll be fun. Rob Liefeld, like you, the things he talked about with that movie, it, it, it it's wild. Yeah. I can't wait for that. I know I've, I've been in this long enough to know that guy and I, I can't wait to see what just like a running track of Rob Liefeld sounds like, like, yeah, that's, that's gold. Um, so I'm going to be looking forward to that one for sure. And I'm definitely, I got Dr. Strange. I got a sweet setup. I had to install a little computer setup downstairs in my kitchen. So I have like half a screen of like the movie and half screen of the Twitter feeds. So I can keep up because uh, that's the way to do it. These things, I, I advise you to get like a little split screen setup or, you know, one on your phone and one on your computer screen because uh, doing both. Yeah. You don't think you'd have this much fun tweeting during a movie, but uh, it actually is pretty fun. So yeah. Brandon Davis, not all heroes wear capes. Quarantine watch party going down nightly. I, I, you didn't think you would have this much fun tweeting during a movie, but uh, you know I've been proven wrong now. Brandon Davis, not all heroes wear capes. Quarantine watch party going down nightly. You guys should definitely be a part of it. Join in. Get your friends to join in. If you got any celebrity hookups that want to get in on this too because they're bored, please send them our way. That's the funny thing is that it's been just we've it's just been through Twitter that these things have been set up. It's a nice little homemade touch. Pretty genuine. Yeah, I mean, that's the good part about it because it's not like that's the thing I appreciate every time. I'm like, look at this guy. And I'm like, well, it's not really about you. You're not Tony Stark in it. It's on Twitter. It's anybody. It's just a hashtag. It's not like some site. Everybody's got to, you know, subscribe. We don't have a paywall involved. Like, you just got to go. I mean, the most you got to decide is if you want to invest in some pay-per-view movies. A lot of them have been on streaming services that if you have, you you can already just. And I'd like to state the, the, the policy here. We've been pitched from studios a lot of movies. Um, and like movies that are being remastered, all kinds of stuff. I said, I've promised this to everybody. The only way that we will do a quarantine watch party that you have to pay for is if we have the director or cast participating because it's meant to feel inclusive. So if we're going to make people have to buy a movie, the only way to do, the only way to justify that is if they're getting something out of it. 
So we won't do that unless there's a director or actor doing it with Ooh. us. Like I said, not Stark in it. It's not about him. He's uh, or that's Doctor Strange. I'm sorry, man. I'm confusing my arrogant doctors and scientists in the Marvel universe. Yeah, he's not Doctor Strange in it. It's not about him. So it's just a hashtag. So all you got to do is come on social media and hit us up. All right, that'll do it for this show. Thank you guys for tuning in to uh, Comic Book Nation. If if you're just getting involved in the show, we are putting them up every Wednesday, every Friday, and we are not stopping. We are out here on your favorite podcast listening platforms right now. We are on uh, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Google Playlist, uh, Stitcher, Spotify, and of course, iTunes. You can also find new episodes every Wednesday and Friday on the site at comicbook.com, where you can also subscribe to our RSS feed and just get regular updates about the show if you want to talk to us or get involved in any of the stuff we got going on. As we can see, we got many things going on at the site right now. Hit us up at the hashtag comic book nation. Use the hashtag quarantine watch party every night to get in and get updates from BD about when that's going down. Uh, and yeah, we're still out here, right? And the staff's still here. There's still a lot happening in the news and we're having some fun discussions. So come knock on our door. I think BD's saying for comicbook.com and uh, hang out. That'll do it for this episode. If you are still listening and you're a fan of the show, go on iTunes, leave those five-star reviews because I don't know when we're going to be back in the office. But as soon as we are back in the office, we'll be happy to uh, give our fan base some much-needed relief in the form of some T-shirts that we'll be sending out. So we'll do, as soon as we are back in the studio, we're going to do a big kind of fan five-star review rundown to get some T-shirts out just to say, hey, welcome back to normal life, everybody. Otherwise, you guys stay hanging there. Take care of yourselves. Get up, move around. Make sure you stay connected. That's also a great thing about things like quarantine wash party that really are needed in the sense that, yeah, from somebody who's lived in a box apartment in New York and been isolated for a long time, take care of yourselves right now. Not just the health stuff, but, uh, you know, the emotional and mental stuff. So be a part, reach out, be a part of this, that, or the other thing, and uh, come join us next time we do the show. That'll do it for this episode of Comic Book Nation. We'll see you guys next time. Peace. Peace.